beautiful audience that, as I record this, is yet to exist. And welcome to my space, as in my gap space, as in space, meaning outer, as in escapism. A space where a lost girl that would be me comes to find herself. Today on my very first segment of Rants and Ting, we will be talking about the relationship between Christianity and marijuana, expressly marijuana legalization. I find it interesting how these topics intersect. We can't say they don't because a large majority of the American population claims Christianity. According to the most recent statistic I could find, about 72% of the population in this country identifies as Christian or Catholic. That's a very big number if you ask me, or anyone with basic math knowledge for that matter. And Christianity and religion in general play a big part in, maybe not swaying, but influencing political parties and the support demographics. Bearing this statistic in mind, I ask myself the following questions. Is the use of marijuana a sin? Do Christians have a moral obligation towards the support of marijuana legalization? Can a compromise be reached? Let's unpack the first one. So is marijuana use a sin? Now, for obvious reasons, the conversation surrounding medical marijuana is more easily had in this sphere. The use of marijuana recreationally is what truly makes this question hard to tackle. I found a couple of Bible passages that seem to undertake the topic of consumption of illicit substances, among other things, as a sin. The first passage is from Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 to 21. It reads, The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things of the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So let's just pick at that for a second. All these sins, these acts of the flesh, have been named within the same sentence and context, equating them in magnitude. There is not one higher, no greater sin than the next. As the book of James chapter 2 verse 10 states, For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. So if we were to hypothetically fit smoking marijuana within the category of drunkenness and the like, It is no better nor worse than hatred. We can't go around measuring sin and labeling which is worse if sin is sin, no matter what act was committed. Now on to the second passage. Romans chapter 13 verses 1 to 2. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, Whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. Since sin is sin, none greater than the other, we are all subject to judgment for we have all sinned, emphasis on the all, and fallen short of the glory of God. Now in this next passage, we will be picking at the semantics. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18 reads, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Do not get drunk, it says. The previous passages have explicitly stated drunkenness, meaning overconsumption. As we're all aware, drinking isn't frowned upon in the Bible. Jesus even turned water into wine. Overconsumption is the true sin, disrespectful to yourself 
and sinning against God. As 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19-20 to 20 read, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. We shouldn't consume in excess, simply put. Some would argue that consumption of marijuana in excess, or the consumption of marijuana in general, is disrespecting your body as a temple of God. So, assuming that marijuana is something that has a gradient to its consumption, like alcohol, can we consume marijuana in excess? Part of the appeal towards marijuana use is how organic it is, or how organic it seems. It is of the earth, right? Created with a purpose by God herself. Genesis chapter 1 verse 12, the land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kind, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. God saw that it was good. Every leaf, every flower, inclusive of cannabis. And God gave those plants to humankind. Genesis chapter 1, verse 29. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth, and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. Who are we not to utilize something God-given? The problem lies in that marijuana is no longer as natural as it once was. The concentrations of THC are unnaturally high due to the production process being manipulated and tampered with, effectively squashing the organic argument that most adopt. So how do Christians get behind the legalization of something that is no longer natural and holy of God? Another big problem strapped to marijuana legalization is the racial disparities and biases present surrounding a previously heavily criminalized marijuana market. This leads me to my next question. Do Christians have a moral obligation towards the support of marijuana legalization? In some capacity, or to some extent, I do believe that Christians should support or at least not adamantly reject the legalization of marijuana. Reagan's war on drugs ravaged minority and underprivileged communities, namely Black and Latinx communities. These minority groups, these people of color, already disenfranchised, were further oppressed and discriminated against in the hyper-criminalization of marijuana. People were serving a number of years, almost decades of jail time for non-violent marijuana-related crimes, serving much longer sentences than their white counterparts, Prohibition does absolutely nothing to address those evident, very pressing disparities. The imposition of marijuana prohibition was a show of a deep racial bias because people of color are disproportionately impacted, as is shown by statistical evidence. Though white people and black people use marijuana at practically the same rate, a black person on average is 3.73 times more likely to be arrested and charged for the possession of marijuana. Even in seemingly progressive cities like New York, 32% of marijuana possession cases surrounding black people and 30% that of Hispanic people result in a conviction, whereas only 15.8% of cases for white people result in a conviction. 
Getting convicted vastly affects the ability for a person to obtain jobs, public housing, loans, and even financial aid for education. Imagine the impact. In the past, over a span of 10 years, the duration of drug sentences for black men has been 9% to 13% longer than the duration of sentences for white men. This ripped families apart. This mass incarceration. Leaving many children in a single parent home. Many partners left to hustle and provide for their children by themselves. Legalizing marijuana should aid in correcting the large disparities. If anything, Christians should feel a strong conviction to offset the effects of the sin of racism and systemic bias that has left too many people in despair and at a severely profound disadvantage. The second greatest commandment. Does the word of God not call on us to love our neighbors as we love ourselves? Neighbor is all-encompassing. Neighbor means mother. Neighbor means sister. Neighbor means brother. Neighbor means acquaintance. Neighbor means friend. Neighbor, neighbor means the old man who lives down the lane. It means the drug dealer who was selling weed to support his growing family, but got caught and sentenced to six years in jail for selling half an ounce of weed. Is it too much to ask that we lift those up who need it most, as we were called to do? So my last question. Can a compromise be reached? Prohibition obviously isn't a viable solution if we want to serve the underprivileged. There are few existing marijuana laws that try to acknowledge or elucidate the damage done by prohibition in its entirety to communities of color. The way legalization looks now, being that its epicenter is commercialization, a negligible amount of effort is being made to fix the disparities people of color face and free those imprisoned for nonviolent drug-related crimes across the whole country. Do any reform propositions or enactments really detail the explicit racial injustice as well as a means in which said injustice can be counteracted? Proposition 64 from the state of California is a sort of attempt at explicitly addressing the injustice. While Proposition 64 does not speak directly to the criminalization and racialization of marijuana, it does, however, go farther than many approaches by other states in legalization in regards to reversing and correcting the impact of the perpetuated structural racism and biases in the criminal justice system and their perpetuated war on drugs. Further, Proposition 64 addresses the issues minors face in regards to racial profiling and school-to-prison enforcement and seeks to counter those issues. Proposition 64 does not legalize the use of marijuana for minors as a fix to the problem. Instead, it cogently lessens the penalties minors would face in order to eliminate incarceration for the production, use, or sale of marijuana. Instead of receiving jail time or a costly fine, the consequences of marijuana-related offenses would be an infraction that requires community service and drug education. The effect would be world-changing for the African-American family and people of color if most all marijuana laws and regulations employed these policies. Not only is the clearance of a criminal record psychologically relieving, but it also exacts significant consequences when leading life from housing to employment to loans 
you name it. These combined with the regulation in the process of marijuana, in the production process of marijuana, ensuring that the THC doesn't exceed levels demand deemed natural, will set forth a compromise that I feel the majority would acquiesce to. We just need to demand and put pressure on the government and government agencies to amend the production laws and make them more strict to appease all parties. So, there ends my first ever podcast and first ever segment of Rants and Ting. This was a conversation as a black woman and someone who identifies somewhat with Christianity. I felt I had to partake in. Having been immersed in Christian communities for most of my life, there was a constant preaching of you before I, love before hate, and yet as I looked around me, I saw people placing judgment and being extremely exclusionary, as if they are faultless, that he who is without sin be the one to cast the first stone, Jesus said. We can't expect to bring people to Christ through hate and condemnation, but only through kindness, tolerance, and love. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening as I found myself. Won't you find yourself with me next time? This has been Afro Curls and the Lost Girl. Peace, love, and blessings befall you.